morning, moms. At least it's morning here. Um, welcome you to our Homeschool Mom to Mom webinar with, through Moms for America. My name is Liz Ackerman, and I get to be the host, and I get to talk to wonderful people, wonderful educational entrepreneurs from all across the country. We started our homeschooling journey back in 1982 when I had our oldest daughter registered for kindergarten, and due to some very fortunate occurrences, she never went and the other kids did not either. Um, they are all, of course, grown now, and I have grandchildren that are being homeschooled or taking alternative educational paths. Um, and so even though I'm not in the trenches actually homeschooling, I still feel very, very impressed to be involved, and I enjoy being trying to stay on top of what's going on, all these wonderful people that are doing great things that I wish had been around 40 some years ago, but um, wonderful things happening in the world of homeschooling and alternative educational paths. Um, so we have some very special guests today uh, uh, from Self-Government Works. We have Bill Norton and his wife, Sarah, and I would like to read you their very extensive bios. So Bill Norton is a public speaker and author on the fundamental natural law principles of liberty and the U.S. Constitution. He's co-authored three books, The Miracle of America, Birth of a Nation, Speaking the Language of Liberty, and Behind the Bill of Rights, Timeless Principles That Make It Tick. He's been working with the National Center for Constitutional Studies, or NCCS, for 15 years, updating educational material on the Constitution. He's been a presenter for the organization for 13 years, presenting NCCS's Making of America seminar in more than 40 states. He's the former chairman of the Arizona State Constitutional Commemoration Committee and the co-founder of Constitution Week USA, the nation's largest celebration of the Constitution. He's a recipient of the George Washington Honor Medal from the Freedoms Foundation at Valley Forge. He is currently employed writing civics curriculum curriculum as a visiting scholar at Bellevue University. He's a member of the board of directors for the Center for, for Self-Governance and has owned and operated a contracting company in Arizona for over four, 35 years. I am tired just reading your bio, Bill. That is wonderful. <laughs> and then his wife, Sarah. So in addition to promoting self-government works and training teachers how to implement it in their classrooms, Sarah is a certified trauma relief practitioner and is part of the healing community of IntegrateTrauma.com. She's also a podcaster, artist, teacher, motivator, and holds soul restoration retreats at her beautiful home in Gilbert, Arizona. To Sarah, we are on our way. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> wonderful. She's the mother slash stepmother of eight amazing children and has three adorable grandsons. So... We have yeah, yeah, we need to update that now. Oh, and a granddaughter. Wonderful. Yes. Oh, well, um, obviously you are well qualified to do just about anything. And we would love to have you talk to us about self-government works. I took this sentence off your um, off your web page. It's an American history simulation where students build and maintain and experiment with self-governance for the 21st century. It sounds like something we could all use in this age of everybody going every which way. So Bill and Sarah, take it away. Tell us about what you do. 
So self-government works um, is a, just like you said, it's a classroom simulation, but most simulations model um, our existing or our current system. Um, like it'll be a, maybe a mock trial or an election or something like that, which is great because the students need to learn um, our existing system for sure. Um, but self-government works is different. What it does is it uh, models the evolution of self-governance throughout history. So for example, um, uh, you might we start with like the Magna Carta and Petition of Right. And as the students are learning about those documents or those events in history, they start experiencing some of that in the classroom, some of the same type of oppression and some of the same type of things. And we'll have Sarah kind of explain a little bit more in detail with that in a moment. But um, but basically what it does is it brings the student through as they're learning this history, they're also doing similar things in the classroom. And so they gradually uh, start creating different forms of government, very small and simple forms. And then it gets more and more complex as they go until eventually they create their own class constitution. Um, and what's great about this is they, they actually govern the classroom using this, this class um, constitution. And a teacher, even once they're done with the simulation, if they want to continue on with the simulation in class, where basically they're allowing the students to continue to use that, their, their uh, governing document to govern the classroom, then the teacher can do that. And it's great because it helps the teacher with classroom management um, because the, the, the students literally are self-governing. Um, and so it's it's a real world thing. You know, as I've studied simulations and their effectiveness and things like that, it's really critical that simulations are um, real, uh, that not only do they model uh, something in real life so that you can kind of teach them what it is you're trying to teach them, whether in this case, history or if it's economics or whatever, it, it, it not only needs to model the real world, but it also needs to be real for them. Um, and that's really where a big difference is. Because if, if a simulation isn't real for them, then basically all they're doing is they're just role playing. They're just mm -hmm. playing a part uh, in a play, basically. Like, like if you have a mock constitutional convention, you can get some benefit out of that. Um, but for the most part, you're just role-playing history. And what self-government works does is it, it, it it's a real um, life circumstances in their classroom to try to figure out how to govern the classroom. Um, and what's cool about it is they're doing it in line with real history. So what happens are, is the students become um, very interested in history and it, the way that the founders um, solve some of the problems. So my my uh, daughter, when she was going through the simulation at 15 years old, she came running down the uh, the hallway one night with her student workbook, which is what the students get. It's it's uh, filled with original source documents and some other things. But she came running down the hallway one night. And she's like, "Daddy, Daddy, John Locke is awesome." Now, a 15 year old girl that thinks John Locke is awesome is pretty remarkable. Um, to get somebody to that point. And the reason why she felt like John Locke was awesome was because they were having some self-governance struggles in their classroom and John Locke had the answers. Um, youth love, they love logic and reason and they love to see a problem and they love to discover the solution to the problem. And when they realize that the constitution is nothing more than 
a lot of solutions to a lot of problems, um, they're they're really intrigued by it, and then and then they understand the brilliance of it and understand how important it is to to know it and learn it and figure it out. And so that's what self government works does. Um, it's 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 really powerful in the way that it does that. Oh, thank you. Um, and I would think, or do you find that as students learn about self governance? that it plays out into the rest of their lives as well. They learn to be more like self-actuated, self-governing. I would yeah. think this would be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. One of the things that they realize <clears throat> as they um, play their part in the simulation, they they their actions actually have an effect on the environment around them. And whether their classroom is more um, chaotic or more peaceful. And they, they have been using their own actions, their own decision-making to create a certain environment in their classroom. And what they're gonna realize is that they can do that in the real world too. Their actions actually make a difference in the real world. And not just for voting, but maybe um, networking and influencing people and becoming a part of their community. Bill and I became parts of our community where we do more than just vote. We, you know, we influence in a lot of different ways. And so they're going to realize that because they're actually doing it in the classroom, not just because someone told them that their vote matters, they're going to actually experiencing their actions mattering, their vote mattering, their decision-making um, in the classroom, you know, having a real life effect on them. And it's so much fun for them to realize that they actually have the power to change things and make a difference um, in the real world. And they experience it firsthand. That's great. And so I would think that that would make them uh, more pleasant to be around in the family where they yeah. realize yeah. that. That's true. <laughs> it's, not just the, it's not just the outer community, but we begin the self-governance um, simulation even before it begins. They have a lesson about self-governance. And so yes. they learn that it starts within themselves. Like, how do I govern myself? How do I make myself follow the rules that I want to follow? And that's the most important thing that all of us do, even with my retreats and the way I help women heal from trauma and abuse. It all starts with like our innermost self and who's in charge in there. And mm -hmm. what am I going to do with that moving forward? So that's where it starts at the beginning. And then, you know, our home is a society. So they learn how to self-govern in that society. And what am I willing to do to help this be a better place? And how can I help this, you know, improve? And they're going to just get a lot of practice in the classroom and that will in every, in, in relationships, even one-on-one -on -one relationships, that's the smallest society besides ourselves. So it just blooms out from there. Exactly. So the uh, so if, you helpful. Go, if you go to our website, selfgovernmentworks.com, um, you'll see a number of quotes from students. And mm -hmm. one of the main things that the students do talk about is how they're like, I thought that, you know, g getting involved in politics or government or whatever was something that as a teenager, I, I can't do, but I've mm -hmm. learned that I can, I can be involved. Um, one thing that we teach uh, in the, one of the lessons that we teach in self-government works is about Elizabeth Powell. Now, Elizabeth Powell, um, everybody's heard the story about Benjamin Franklin being stopped by a woman on the street after the convention saying, what have you given us, a monarchy or a republic? Yes. He says, a republic, madam, if you can keep it. Well, Elizabeth Powell was the woman that asked the question. Um, she was the wife of the mayor of Philadelphia. And if you think about uh, Benjamin Franklin's response, a republic, madam, if you, a woman who couldn't vote and couldn't hold public office can keep it. Um, and Elizabeth Powell understood that she had a greater role 
uh, in participating in the system than just simply voting or holding public office. She was actually very, very influential. In fact, so influential that from the research that we've done, it appears as though she was one of the main reasons why George Washington agreed to serve a second term as president. Um, he was not going to, to, to serve another term. And um, when, when Thomas Jefferson asked him what changed his mind, he said, strong solicitations from Philadelphia. And the only, uh, the main person that was really pressuring him from Philadelphia was Elizabeth Powell. Um, so Elizabeth Powell affected this, this country uh, without voting, without holding public office. And the students learn that they can do that. And then just like you and Sarah have, uh, have talked about, they also have learned how you can now bring that into the rest of your life. You can bring that into the classroom, into the home and all that. So it's, it's, it's a fantastic program that not only teaches the historical evolution of self-governance, but teaches the principle of self-governance in every aspect of life. Oh, yes. Um, so our moms, our homeschooling moms, how can we, how can this be adapted for the homeschooling mom and her community? So let me just, I'll cover that real fast. And then I'm going to let Sarah talk kind of about what it looks like, the nuts and bolts when yeah. you actually run mm -hmm. the program. Yes. Um, she'll kind That'll of give answer you a, lot of a quick questions. overview. Um, but basically, if you're doing this in a homeschool situation, um, so so first of all, we not only would love to see this in a lot of different homeschool uh, environments, but we would also love to see some of your, your uh, homeschool homeschoolers promote it even just in their community with yes. other educators and getting it into the schools and things like that, mm -hmm. which there's an advantage to that um, because some of the training that we do, we will come to you to do the training if we have a certain number of people. For free. So if we don't, yeah, it's free. So if we don't have uh, the numbers that we'd need with, with maybe a homeschool group or two, then, um, then it would be advantageous to go out and find some teachers and things that would be interested in doing it in their class as well. And then we can bring that training in and we can we can train both uh, traditional teachers and homeschoolers uh, all in the same training. And it works beautifully. We actually love doing that. Um, but anyway, so to answer your question, um, you really need a minimum of about nine students. And so you if you didn't have a, a very large family, then you'd have to uh, be involved in a, a homeschool group. My family would have been perfect. We had nine kids. So <laughs> we, we had three colonies of three. So. And so that's and that's why it has to it has to be nine because you have to have the dynamics of voting uh, exist and because we put them into colonies which eventually turn into states um, you have to have three p at least three people in each state so that there's an odd number for voting and then you have to have at least three states so that there's an odd number of states for voting on a uh, on a national, national level. level. Um, so you really need nine. It's ideally if you could get a couple more than that, because there's a few positions where we put students in positions of like they for a time uh, for a short time they'll act as parliament, uh, like the English parliament. And so if you've got at least a couple of more, then that that's helpful. But uh, if not, then parents or other adults could could step into some of those roles as well. Um, that's very true. But basically, so nine is the minimum. Uh, it would be tough to do it with a with a group smaller than that. Um, and then, as far as the like the time frame that it takes, um, before I 
Well, should we talk, we'll talk about the thing itself before we get into those details? Okay, yeah, just kind of how it starts. Yeah, because okay. that'll get a little... Yeah, we'll let Sarah kind of give you some uh, kind of what it looks like in the classroom uh, for like maybe the first uh, few lessons. And then and then I'll kind of come back in and we can give you kind of an overarching um, look at kind of what Fine. it looks like. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. You the brochures? Yeah, I can grab one. Yeah, why don't you go grab one? Well, I've got to pull up here. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. Okay. We don't need to do it right now. I didn't know you had it on the computer. Okay. So I love the training. So when we train the teachers um, and when we train the teachers how to do this program, um, we actually put the teachers through, through the simulation real time. So the teachers get to experience what it's like to be a student. And then we have students actually there in the training as well. So the teachers get to see the students react to the different parts of the simulation. So in the trainings, I'm the teacher and I get to teach the, the adults and the youth at the same time. So when you talk about me, when I talk about me doing it, that's what I'm talking about. Me in the trainings being the teacher. So the way that the simulation starts is really fun. We have over 40 videos that Bill has made with an amazing team. And the videos are how you start. So you basically, you're just gonna push play on the first video and the director comes on and the director is this very tall bald man with a big beard and he's very intimidating and he tells the students that he's been given permission by the school and the teachers to take over the classroom because he is an expert in classroom management and discipline and he is going to make sure they have a perfect learning environment for the most learning and so the kids are like whoa what the heck they know they're in a simulation but they don't necessarily exactly know what that means and so the idea is for them to start feeling oppression right away. In that first video, they're like, wow, this guy is really tough, you know? And he lets the, the students know that he's given the teacher the authority to enforce his rules and for the teacher to um, make their own rules that are part of his, his government. And so they start listing the rules right away. And the rules are, are things like um, no making noise. So it's not just no talking, but no making noise, no clicking your pens. And the teacher can be as intense as they want to be. The teacher can, can kind of play whatever role they want to play, but um, no clicking your pens, no coughing, no sneezing. And we really want the kids to feel oppressed. Now it's kind of silly, right? But at the same time, this is the, the whole point because they're going to learn how to find the balance between oppression and chaos and find that perfect balance centered, which is the Constitution. But what do they want it to be in their classroom? So they start feeling this oppression. The teacher is walking around and taking notes and, you know, writing down the names of students who move too much or who do this or do that, break the rules. And there's little simple punishments like you're going to have to stay after one minute for every infraction, or you're going to have to pick up trash for five minutes if you break this rule. So each rule has a specific doable uh, punishment. And in the classroom, they could even lose points, you know, towards their grade if uh, that could be a, a simple punishment, right? So the kids, all of a sudden, they realize they can't really focus on their work anymore because the, the teacher is going to give them some assignments and they're going to watch some videos that the the director wants them to watch. They have a hard time focusing on their work because they're so worried about following the rules and they don't want to have to um, stand behind their chair maybe for 20 minutes as a punishment. So it gets really intense, but this doesn't last very long, but it has a, a really strong impact on the kids. So then we have an amazing character called the student hacker. So she's like the antithesis of the director. The director is the tyrant. The student hacker is like this freedom girl. And so she comes in, it's actually Bill's daughter, Lane. 
And she comes into the videos and Bill has done some amazing technology, but she actually hacks into the video and it's really fun. And she does it when the teacher isn't watching, the teacher will kind of know that they, at a certain point, they're supposed to leave the classroom or just kind of like be distracted, busy doing something. And the student hacker gets in the scene and the student hacker is like, hey, you guys are probably feeling a little bit oppressed right now. This is not fun. There was a time in history when, you know, we as Americans felt this way or even back in England and they were able to make some rules for the king. Maybe you guys can make some rules for the for the teacher and for the director. So the kids, they kind of get together and they it's like a little challenge. It's kind of like an escape the room challenge. How can we break away from this tyrant while still having order in the classroom? Like maybe our kind of order. And so they start, you know, kind of getting creative. What should, what rules would we give the teacher if we could do that? And eventually they'll, they'll be able to make some rules for the teacher. The teacher will accept them. The kids will think they're so like, they're so in charge and they'll be so excited. And then the next day, just kind of like what happens in history, the teacher is going to just like the director, the teacher are going to toss out the rules and be like, no, we're the king. We're the adults. We can do it the way we want to just kind of like the king did to the Magna Carta and the petition of right. And so the kids are like, wow, this, you know, we thought we were free, but it's not over yet. So then they'll get to um, break into colonies and make their own little colony government. So they get to try again in a new way as a colony, they get to decide what they want their colony to be named and where it is and what all the rules are for their colonies. And let's set up a little simple structure. Even before that, they're going to actually do a simple government like the uh, Mayflower Compact. So they get to kind of make their own type of documents that parallel ones in history. So first they'll do like a Magna Carta, then they'll do a Mayflower Compact, then they'll have their small individual colony charters. And they get to decide what kind of a colony do we want to have? Do we want to be, uh, do we want to do a lot of work for a lot of freedom or less work for less freedom? So Bill's going to show you the three different kinds of um, charters for their colonies they can do. So this is this is a great example of how the students have a choice of which kind of direction they want to go, um, but there's ramifications to those choices. So this is the first worksheet for a charter, um, and then you can see it's just blank. They can just write whatever they want to um, on this this particular worksheet, um, or so they can choose to do that. Now, if they choose to do that, then obviously it's a lot of work, but but they can really decide how they want to self-govern their particular charter. Um, this one here is the colony charter. So basically you would just fill in some of the blanks. There's a little bit more uh, uh, already outlined for you. Mm -hmm. um, and then you do have to make some decisions on your own. So it's just a little bit less work, um, but a little bit less freedom. And then the final charter um, is what we call a royal charter. And essentially all you're doing here is coming up with your name, your your colony name and putting your, signing it and then that's it. Um, basically the rest of it is dictated uh, by the director essentially. Um, so this is this is true to history. You know, you have, you have Rhode Island and Connecticut that basically created their constitutions from scratch um, versus, you know, Virginia that was, uh, that was a uh, to a large degree directed by the king, but they had a lot of freedom uh, in creating their House of Burgesses and things like that. Or you have South Carolina that was almost completely dictated uh, by the king as far as their their government structure. And you can see in history how that uh, changed things. I mean, um, Connecticut and Rhode Island have always been fiercely independent, especially uh, Rhode Island. Um, and then you go all the way to the other extreme with uh, 
South Carolina for many, many years, South Carolina, their culture was a lot more um, stoic and maybe even stuffy uh, because they were uh, directed by the king. So it even affected their culture and their mannerisms and all that. Um, so that's that's a good example of kind of some of the fun choices that the students can make. Okay, so the next phase, the students are really excited. They have their own colonies, they're self-governing. But then what happens that parallels history is the oppressive acts. Is that what they're called? The oppressive acts? The anyways, like the tea, the sugar act yes. and the stamp act. Not oppressive. There's another word. Yeah. Intolerable acts. Thank you. I always yes. oppressive. The intolerable acts. You're going to always have to remind me of that because I've, I've got the wrong word in my brain for some reason. So mm. the intolerable acts. And we actually make our own version of those that um, we, we create. One of the colonies actually becomes parliament along with the teacher and the director. And then we, we make our own intolerable acts in the classroom. So we have like the stinky shoe act. And we take away all their pens and pencils and paper, and we give them pencils that don't really work and glossy paper that doesn't really write on very well. And if they want real pens and pencils, they have to give us a shoe. And we have all these just intolerable rules, more rules, but now these are rules for the colonies based on the parliament, what they have chosen. And so they feel oppression again. And they have to, this time they have to decide do we want to all unify and declare freedom from the um, from the tyrant once and for all? And so they'll have a, a debate and it's so fun to watch the students debate freedom and whether they wanna you know, go out on their own and create a nation, you know, put these states together and create a nation or whether they wanna be under the, the um, director's rule with the teacher. And so they're gonna have a debate. They always end up winning freedom, but sometimes it takes a little longer for other, you know, for one classroom or another to earn that freedom, to decide they really want to do it. And then once they've done that, then they're going to write their own declaration of independence. The classroom is going to actually write one that's their classroom declaration. It's just a beautiful thing to read and to see what they put into it with their own creativity. And then the next phase is writing their constitution. So just like in America, we had what, 140 years of practicing, 240 years, however many years of practicing self-governance in all these different colonies and territories before they actually came together as a, you know, a nation to write the constitution. And they'll even kind of practice and do a little bit of the articles of confederation type practice, realize that's not strong enough. Okay, two full days, constitution, uh, convention, debates, and it's wonderful. And they get to do it however they want. And then what they're gonna do is they're gonna also need to put in like an amending process or will they even think to do that? Like mm -hmm. if they don't put in an amending process then they don't get to amend it unless they figure out how to do it. And so they actually run the classroom with this constitution that they create, but they've been practicing self-governance from day one and learning what they like and what they don't like. And we found, we found that the students, they also don't like the chaos as much as they don't like the oppression. If it gets too chaotic, they hate it and they want, they'll even sometimes turn to a dictator, like assign someone in the classroom to take over again because they, you know, they don't have the teacher's rules, but they'd rather have a, a tyrant of their own, you know, selection than have total chaos. And then eventually what we found is that most design a Republican form of government similar to ours because it works. And so that's how they, you know, they learn that self-government works because they've been able to practice all these different ranges on that spectrum between chaos and oppression to find that that balance center for themselves and then the last part of it is they get to just maintain it the teacher can um give them 
maybe you know five minutes at the beginning of classroom of class time at the beginning of each day to do any elections or changes or whatever they need to do any self governance that needs to happen in the classroom or they could do like one day a week or whatever they decide to do it's completely up to the teacher and she can use that government class that government that they've set up for the rest of the year and that's how the you know the classroom maintains order and um and freedom and happiness and so it's really up to them. And then one other little thing that we have inside the program, which is really, really fun, we have challenges. So just like a normal government and experiences different stresses like a pandemic or a war or an invasion or, or any kind of strife, um, we have set up some little um, challenges for them to really test, stress test their forms of government. And so they'll get these stress tests when they're in colonies and once they've decided to break away and have their own independence and create a nation, like we, we can do them all throughout and the teachers can create their own type of challenge. But basically, you know, you set them up with something, something difficult or challenging or even just a problem to solve, but they have to do it using their form of government. Is your form of government workable? Does it work? And where does it need to be tweaked? Is it too strong here? Did you guys remember to put in some judges or how did the, you know, how do we get people out of office? And so they get to test things like that um, in the real world of their, of their government. And so the challenges are another fun part of the, of the process. But by the end, the kids really understand one of the main things that I think um, the students will talk about is they thought that putting together a government doesn't sound that hard. And they'll say, wow, Forming a government is actually really a lot of work and they respect the process that our nation went through because they've done it themselves. And they're like, we did this for nine people or, you know, 25, 30 people. They did that for, you know, thousands and millions and they're really impressed and they pay attention now with a different, you know, feeling in their heart and in their mind of, of, of getting it. Like they get it because they wrote government too. Like they know what that's like. And they know it's on such a much a uh, lot smaller scale. What's cool about that challenge, so one of the first challenges that they have um, is just a game that they play. And like Sarah said, they have to use their form of government for those challenges. And what we see is is one of those first challenges, they they abandon their form of government almost immediately. <laughs> and so it's it's uh, and so once they're done with the, with the challenge, then we then the teacher can point that out. Like, did you actually use your form of government? Right. And they didn't. And 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 in and why? Why didn't you? Well, because it was, it was too, too slow, slow. <laughs> or, or it just didn't, we didn't have the mechanism. We didn't put something in place to even determine how to make the decision and, right. and things. And so, so they immediately learned that, uh, that, that, that it matters. there's a lot of things that you have to put into government. You have to, you know, have to have a lot of foresight. So, mm -hmm. And what, can you give me an example of a challenge? Yeah. So the uh, so the challenge I was just talking about one of the first ones that they do some challenges are very uh, short and and others are a little bit longer this one's kind of medium sized this is what we call the the barter uh, puzzle and so each each colony is given uh, a puzzle of like six or eight eight, eight pieces um, they're giving a given a picture of one of those puzzles and then they're given just eight pieces so so say there's three uh, colonies then there's three puzzles. We take all those pieces. And they're all different. Each colony all. has a different puzzle. Yeah. Each colony has a different puzzle they're putting together, but they all have each other's pieces. That's right. We mix them all up and then we divvy out eight pieces. So the pieces may go with their picture or they may not. Um, and then we give them these little uh, barter dollars. And so basically they have the picture, the the eight puzzle pieces, and these eight or 10 uh, 
dollars. And basically the goal is that they're given a sheet of, of how to earn the most points. So the goal is to solve the puzzle, but you have to go and you have to trade and stuff with other colonies in order to get those puzzle pieces. And you may, you may even abandon your picture and get somebody and go try to find somebody else's picture. So you get the most points if you have all the pieces, all the pieces put together and the picture that matches it and who has how many dollars left over. And what it does is it immediately creates an economic system um, because they immediately have to sit there and barter. And we and never we never tell them how yeah. much the dollars are worth. Is a dollar worth one puzzle or two puzzle pieces? Mm -hmm. And so, so they'll notice that at the beginning of the game, even though the game only lasts 10 or 15 minutes, at the beginning of the game, a puzzle piece may not be worth as much but as you're getting toward the end and you're you're down to just only needing one more puzzle piece that puzzle piece to get it from somebody else is going to be very valuable and so yeah. they so this economic system is so interesting to see how fast it changes how fast it gets established first of all and then how fast it changes and how inflation happens and all those things so, um, so it's pretty cool because because we can teach have a little economics lesson with that but then at the same time we show them how important it is to have mechanisms in their system of government. Um, for example, how how do you communicate with another colony? Who who has the authority to do that? Who has the authority to negotiate uh, how many pieces for how many dollars? You know, if they send one student off to go negotiate with a colony and they spend all their dollars on one piece, that student's going to come back and get reprimanded probably by their <laughs> and so who gave them the authority to to even give up all their dollars or to not give up their dollars or whatever so they realize uh, that there's a lot of details in governance that you have to think about and 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 then and especially when it comes to who we're delegating authority to how much authority what they can and can't do so that's just one example um the other thing is like sarah had mentioned um teachers can create their own challenges so this kind of leads us to now the the, the thirty thousand foot view of self government works. Um, self government works is not designed as a standalone curriculum. It's designed to go along with your existing curriculum. Um, and so whatever, however you're teaching uh, American history and you're teaching or or U.S. government. So this can be used in an American history class or a U.S. government class. Either one. Um, so. Whatever your existing curriculum is, we can mesh right into it. So if you're teaching an American history class, let me uh, just share my screen here real quickly. Okay, so this is basically the structure of the simulation. It's in four phases. Now, phases one through three are... are uh, the same. Phase four is a little bit different, so I'll get to that in a second. But phases one, two, and three, basically each of those have um, five lessons or five class periods. They're designed for about a 45 to 50 minute class period. Um, so each of these phases has five of those. So there's 15 among the, the three. And as they're learning uh, about monarchy, for example, and they're learning about the Magna Carta, Petition of Right, all that, um, then you'll see that the students make rules for the monarchy, like Sarah had explained. 
Um, and then as they learn about the Mayfire Compact, for example, then they create their own compacts and so on and so forth. So that first, uh, it's designed to be done kind of just uh, in one week, two weeks, three weeks, so on. Uh, but if you have a homeschool group that only meets once or twice a week or whatever, you can totally just stretch this out and adapt it however you want. And each class, each class period, so there's like five class periods, but there's also five nights of homework. So there's about like 30 minutes of homework maybe each evening. And that's where they really are gonna learn a lot from the student hacker. There's a video that goes with each um, each night's homework. And then there's also like a, a document that will go with each homework pretty much. And so it's, it's at night when they're gonna be reading like the petition of right or learning about the Magna Carta from the student hacker. And so those are really important. So some schools will actually, um, like his son's school, they have um, like two, like an hour and 45 minute classes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, hour and a half classes. So they, they'll do a day. They do four class periods a day rather than seven or eight. So mm. they'll do like the first class period and then they'll do the homework together in class. So you could do it that way too, because the homework is really interesting. If you did it in class, it would be excellent. So you can do it either way. So the way we've designed this is so that it's totally turnkey. You can do it exactly how we have it designed, or you can... It, it's kind of set up it. in modules so you could adapt it and, and change it to your own scheduling needs. And you can have like a month off between phases or two months off between phases too. You don't have to do them all back to back. Yeah. So basically you, you take these first five class periods and you'd go through phase one, which is the oppression phase. Um, and then if you wanted to, uh, just like Sarah mentioned, you could uh, you could do the homework in class as well. So maybe instead of five class periods, that now just turned into 10 class periods. Yeah. Um, and then and then you have to have a little bit of time between phases, at least a couple of days, because there are some challenges and some things that you do between phases to prepare for the next phase. Um, so if you're doing an American history class, then you might do phase one, but then you, you've got a lot of curriculum to get through to get it from Magna Carta all the way up to, you know, the state constitutions. Um, and so you would take maybe a few weeks to get through that portion of your curriculum. And then you'd come back to the simulation uh, and do phase two, the chaos phase. So with an American history class, you're going to have a fair amount of space between these phases. And you can keep the simulation going by just throwing out some challenges here and there. We have some worksheets in the in the teacher's guide to help you develop your own challenges using um, lessons from your own curriculum. So sure. between phases, you could be still doing some challenges and, and things. Um, so that's basically how it would work with an American history class is you would do uh, phase one and then you'd have some time to to get caught up with your uh, curriculum. Then you do phase two and then have some time to get caught up with your curriculum, so on and so forth. If you're doing a U.S. government class, then what we recommend is you do the simulation right up front. Um, Not the first day of don't, school. Don't do it the first day of school. We don't want to freak anyone out. That's right. Always start into a, a, at least a few days um, into school because since we're starting right at the beginning with this director and all these rules and all those things, you don't really want to set up your classroom with that kind of as tone, the first yeah. day, that tone. So so you want to build a little bit of camaraderie with your students before you start becoming a tyrant. <laughs> um, yes. So yes. so basically, uh, so in a U.S. government class, say you started in, the, uh, you know, maybe the second week of school, 
Um, and then you do the whole simulation all at once. You take three, four weeks to, to just do it all at once. Um, now, we know that that's cutting into a lot of your time when it comes to, um, to, to the rest of the semester for US government. Um, but what we've discovered is, first of all, it acts as a great um, review of history so that it's helping to put the US Constitution in context, in historical context. Um, but then the other thing that it does is because it, it makes it so the students are so intrigued by the Constitution at, at, by the end of this simulation, because again, it's it's the solution to a lot of problems. Um, and they, they also now have a new reverence for the founders because they realize how difficult it is. And because they think that John Locke is awesome, they get to the, this this once they they're done with the simulation and now you're you're in your normal US government curriculum you can teach it much more efficiently because the students are more interested they're more engaged they're grasping the concepts a lot faster and easier they actually can grasp a concept like the electoral college a lot easier because they've gone through the process of figuring out how to have elections and representation and things like that and so then when they see the electoral college they're like wow, this is not some weird animal. This is a brilliant solution to a pretty significant problem. Um, right. And so so even though, like I said, we're taking up quite a bit of your time at the beginning of a semester with U.S. government, um, it makes the rest of the semester a lot uh, more efficient, more impactful. Uh, everything is in context a lot better for the students. Um, and so it just, it just helps out a lot more. Um, so then, so that's basically phase one, two, and three. It, it just really packaged very neatly. Phase four is the maintenance phase. And that's that's uh, a little bit more um, uh, customizable because the maintenance is actually the most difficult phase. And we're discovering that in our country now that we're 200 plus years old, um, that maintaining a system of government is extremely difficult, especially a system of government in which we have enacted principles of, of uh, liberty. Because as Jefferson said, um, the natural course of things is for government to gain ground and liberty to yield. Uh, and so we're learning that it's it's a tough thing to maintain. So basically what you do with the maintenance phase, it's completely up to you, whether or not the maintenance phase is just maybe a couple class periods where you're just doing some challenges to help the students find the weaknesses in their system of government and allowing them to amend it and things like that. Or you can stretch it out for the rest of the semester and just periodically do a challenge, um, a, a maintenance challenge. And then like Sarah mentioned, you can you can also spend you know five minutes at the beginning of class period each day to, Sweet. you call it the self-governance uh, time where they can hold an election or they can... Uh, they can have a meeting or they can, you know, tweak something. Now, you might think five minutes is not enough, but it's plenty of time because what's interesting <laughs> is just like the real world, um, the meetings before and after the meeting are actually where the decisions are made. Um, what you're going to find out, and this is so fun, some of the teachers that have done this, they'll they'll get back to us and they're like, we could not believe that like on the first day, the students had already set up a group text or they had already set up some chat thing online where they're doing things behind the scenes. They're doing things outside of the classroom. 
they're actually giving each other homework to do outside of the classroom. You know, you take care of this part of the constitution or you do this or you do that. Or, or if they, if they have, you know, some disagreement in the classroom, you know, one, one faction will, will do things behind the scenes before class starts in order to gain, uh, uh, you know, an advantage over another faction. Um, you know, it's just like James Madison, who, completely prepared for the Constitutional Convention far more than anybody else did. And as a result, the entire, almost the entire convention was uh, spent talking about his uh, agenda. Uh, mm -hmm. So so James Madison completely controlled the Constitutional Convention because he he did his homework uh, behind the scenes. And that's exactly what you see these, these students do. And that's a lot of fun. Okay, so let me talk about what did you have any, any questions real fast, Liz, before I talk about the materials? Um, I, I have a lot. I just wish this is wonderful. Um, I know that we had talked before about something that we could hold in our hand to take to a homeschooling group or a, a school teacher or administrator or some, is this? Brochure. So, yeah, a brochure or something that we could if we want to get get this into um, our school system with exactly so so i i can get you so that you can get out to um all the listeners and stuff i can get you uh just a single sheet of kind of how to some kind of pointers on how yes how to talk about it and like what our basic you know selling points are yeah. yes and yes so please we can certainly do that and so basically here it is in a nutshell if you know of a teacher or administrator so we've we've noticed that this works well to either promote this to teachers or it works great bringing it to a principal or a superintendent or an assistant superintendent over a curriculum too. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so so that's that's a, a great thing. And then and then also if you know multiple homeschool groups, then you can also then bring it out to them as well. Mm -hmm. um, so so it doesn't have to come from any from top or bottom or whatever when it comes to trying to get it into local schools. Yeah, every every district is different. Some it has to come from the top down. Some if the, if the parents talk about it, then the the school pays attention. You know. So yes. basically, oh yes, maybe at a school board meeting or something. I wonder if that would work. Yeah, absolutely. Know. And so basically, all you need to do is is catch somebody's interest. If you get somebody's interest then we will get on uh, a webinar just like this and mm -hmm. we will have a meeting directly with one, two, 10, 20 people, whoever you have that are, that are interested. And we can kind of tell them much more detail about um, self-government works and how it works. Right. And then once we, you have, don't have to do the full spiel, we can do this full spiel. You just got to get them in front of us. That's right. Okay. Catch so that's their less stress for you, you know? Yes. Yes. And it's, free right if do i understand that you will come for free and train people and the materials are right free now. that's right what what a so, selling point it's really good basically what we need is we need about a dozen people to come to you um in order to do a training in your area uh, yes okay. and that's a dozen um maybe maybe some homeschool parents uh, and some teachers, some administrators. We strongly encourage administrators to come because when they come and actually see it and feel it and taste it and see what it, what it's like, then they uh, support it. Um, and so it's awesome. and because we run the teachers through the actual simulation, like two thirds mm -hmm. of it, 
they really get a taste of what it's like. And it's fun. They really like, like no one leaves there like, nah, I don't think I want to do that. Everyone's yeah. on board. <laughs> because what happens since we bring youth in with they the teacher's training. So it's a two day training. Uh, and, and the first day we bring youth in and then the next day uh, is just the teachers. But on that first day, in that the first time uh, in the morning, those youth obviously are very quiet because they're in the room with a bunch of other adults and they just don't know what in the heck this is. What did my parents just send me to whatever. Um, and so they do not, they hardly engage at all. Uh, now homeschoolers are a little bit different. We do notice that they do engage a lot faster, um, but regardless, they, they, they're pretty hesitant to engage for just a little bit though. But by the end of the day, it's indistinguishable who's engaging more, the adults or the or the, the youth. Usually the children have taken over. By a lot now. of times the, the youth. Because they're having a good, they're like, wait a minute, I get to make decisions that the adults have to follow? Yeah. They really yeah. like that. And, the, and they're, uh, you know, youth are a lot more idealistic. Adults have gotten, you know, pessimistic and things. And so <laughs> so it, it's interesting to see the youth. They want to uh, experiment. How they excel and they really experiment a lot. And it's a lot of fun. Um so, so that's what the training looks like. If you have at least a dozen or so people, then we can come to you and provide that training. Um, the and some only of the... thing that we don't provide is we don't provide any travel, um, but we do provide uh, a light breakfast and a lunch. Um, and we, we and we come to you. And we come to you. We don't but... we don't provide dinner, and we don't uh, we don't provide travel. But we yeah. end at like four thirty, four o'clock, four thirty, yeah, something 30, like that. Five, yeah. yeah, five o'clock. Um, um, Sounds um, wonderful. Sounds wonderful. Yes, yeah, send me, send me whatever that I can start passing out. If you go to the website, you'll see basically the same kind of thing here. But we we can also make this brochure available. Um, basically, the beginning, the front page here, of the brochure just has a lot of quotes from the students. Um, our, yes. our biggest concern uh, or our biggest focus is: uh, Are the students actually getting something out of it? And so these quotes are really more important to us than anything else that we can show or promote. Yes. And then the inside basically has that chart that I just showed you uh, on all the things that the students are doing and learning um, as they go through these different phases. It explains briefly how to do it in an American history class and then a US government class. Timing-wise, yeah. And then on the back, it just talks about some of the specific objectives and then what you get with the program, which I'll talk about in just two seconds. Um, but the main thing that I, that I also want to point out is whenever we come into a new state, we will take that state's standards and align it with our um, program. So we can show exactly what state standards are being satisfied with the program. Um, and we've already done that with a handful of states that we already have teachers teaching in. Um, but if we, if we don't have it for your state, then the moment we come in to, to do a training, we will have it for you. And it checks a lot of boxes. A whole lot of boxes, yes. more than just specifics boxes. And I mean, it check it checks boxes for literature and English and all this stuff because you're reading all these uh, these primary original source documents, um, and so it it checks off a whole lot of things. Economics with the barter puzzle. I mean, all kinds. Mm -hmm. of and another really good selling point is that it's not agenda driven. Um, it's we've got it into a lot of public schools because it's not it's not even just about the constitution. It's about self government. And what the children want to do when they learn their history. I mean, it's history. This the um, original source documents, primary source documents that the the workbook is full of. It keeps it from being one side or the other. It's just like this is what happened in America. 
what do you want to do in your classroom? And there's not an agenda there because the kids get to choose what they want. And so the teacher really, the more hands off, the better, because, you know, that's the whole point is the children, the students get to choose. And so we've even had, you know, some public school superintendents have their people look through it, looking for an agenda. Is there something in here that's going to make our left wing parents mad or our right wing parents mad? And they can't find it because it's not there. It's just it's just straight up history. And then the children getting to make their own decisions about how they want to self-govern. So here's what you get with it. So along with the training, um, each teacher that's trained or each uh, homeschooler parent um, would get this teacher's guide. Now this teacher's guide is, you know, 260 some odd pages. Um, and it's, it's really a really valuable tool. So first of all, um, it goes, it, it just totally turnkey. It gives you everything that you need. So it's got these icons on it. So, you know, like you'll, there's like a key for these icons, but you'll know, like you're going to show a video here. You're going to pass out an assignment here. You're going to collect something here. Here is where you're going to say these things. Here's where you're going to do some acting. You know, here's where you're going to watch another video. So it's all laid out day by day. So I was able to even, the first time I did the training, I was able to do the training, having never experienced it in the classroom, based on this manual. And obviously, right. I have the creator next to me that's my husband, so that helped. But the manual, once you've done the training and you have the manual, like you will know exactly what to do each day. Yeah. And then, then we even have these, uh, these flow charts. So once you've taught the simulation a number of times, you can actually do the whole thing just by this. opening this page. Yeah. Because it tells you what, what you pass out when... You'll also notice that that you'll go along here. If the students succeed, you'll keep going down this path. If they fail oh, yes. in this assignment, then they take this different path. Yeah, because yes. they don't, yes. you know, get to a certain achievement thing that we've decided for them. Because there's a, there's 40 videos that go along with the program, and so that's that. Just if they fail, then there's additional videos that video. you can show them. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the back. We have all the handouts that you need, um, you know, like here. The, and they can get digital are, copies of all of these handouts. These too. are the barter puzzles. And so this is where you can oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Yes. Um, and then in the, uh, in the, one of the things in the appendix is with all 40 videos, this is the script for all four vi 40 videos. The transcript. Yep. So in, in order to, uh, you know, if you're trying to remember, okay, what is it that, that the students are being taught in their homework assignment, or where is this particular principle? Instead of having Watch to search through all these videos, you can just go here and you can highlight and mark and make notes. And then if you want to remember what it is that the student hacker tells the students, like during their homework assignment or whatever, the student hacker's information is in red. Uh, their transcript is in red. Oh, it's very easy to... Wonderful. To oh, just... I'm sorry to interrupt. We are coming, unfortunately, to the end. And we've had someone join us at Wit Cook. Um, do you have any questions? Would you like to come off mute and ask a question or put in the chat? We're glad that you're here. We've just been having a wonderful discussion. And again, these materials are without cost. They can be adapted to classrooms or homeschooling groups right. so um and you can contact us just by getting on on to uh, selfgovernmentworks.com um, and there's contact information and things like that there